into the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV. The destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. This is the... Hannah, please do. This is Hannibal season three, episode nine. The woman, the woman clothed with the sun. I'm Dua Casey. I will be your host this evening. To my left, my favorite ginger and the sun to me is. (laughs) I just thought it was was good. Thought about that right on the spot right here. I'll take it. I will take it. Hi, everybody. So happy to be here with my favorite show, Hannibal. Yes, she loves Hannibal. I do. I really do. Yeah. From day one, I freaking love Hannibal. It, there it's, you go. It's, I'm it's out there. I'm, it's getting more and more. I just recently rewatched Red Dragon, and it was so interesting to rewatch Red Dragon and then watch the, you know, I mean, there's some, they did such a good job of really paying, you know, great homage to the best parts of that storyline and then taking it and bringing it like one level up. We'll get into the details of that a little bit later. Not with us this evening is Mr. Joe Braswell. He is the captain of our, you know, of our ship, and he always leads the show with so effortlessly, and I, I miss him dearly. Um, he As will be back. I take care of my car, Braz. I can't believe you lent him your car. Well, he's with my husband and my car. It's fine. Don't worry okay. about it. it. Sounds like a long Take story. care of my car, Braz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, episode nine, we see, you know, the... Um, Will and Hannibal are together again. Oh, reunited and it feels so good. That's how we should have opened the show. That is how we should have opened the show. <laughs> oh, that would have been hilarious. Missed. Well, um, and just a reminder that we are on the live feed, so people are more than welcome to comment. And, you know, if there's something that we were missing that you want us to talk about, please do. You know, Julia's online and we will give you shout outs in, in just a moment. So we'll get right into the, the show. I want to talk about Will and Hannibal first. Um, it really is like the conversation at the beginning of the show really set the tone for the whole episode. I think, um, you know, Will dressed up in his dignity pants and went to go see Hannibal. <laughs> um, and the first thing that they started talking about was the letter. And that's something that they talked about in the episode beforehand where Hannibal received, or I'm sorry, Will received the letter mm-hmm. from Hannibal that said, don't come. Don't do it. There's a whole lot of crazy on the other side of that door. Now, did you think that was reverse psychology? Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. Uh, we, we, Braz and I talked about it a lot uh, the last episode. Um, this this was it. This was his, his like, gilded invitation to come back in mm-hmm. because... That's where that's where Will thrives. That's where their relationship thrives, and he can't resist it. And he and Hannibal knows that Will can't resist it. So of course, mm-hmm. but you know he always absolves himself, like saying, "Don't do it. I, I advise you not to come because if you open that door, yeah, 
Yes, it absolves him, you're right, of all responsibility. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he's the person where it's like, I, I have your best interest at heart. You are family. I'm, you know, I was looking out for you. You were the one, you know, this reverse psychology game that Hannibal always plays that, you know, I just thought, I thought it was really interesting. And then they, he got right back in. And some of the lines that they used were verbatim, some of the lines in Red Dragon, when sure. Hannibal brings up the, you know, the, aftershave or the you know the smell of something a child would pick out and automatically he's you know bringing in things he has his number is there a child in your life i love um seeing hannibal being you know cut off from the world and how his senses have sort of changed he's always had this keen sense of smell but that is his only sort of link to the outside is his his olfactory senses. Mm-hmm. So everyone that comes in, you see him take a moment and take a deep breath in, and he that's how he learns of what's going on on the outside with these people that he was so uh, interconnected and linked with mm-hmm. for the last few seasons. So mm-hmm. to see him, see those senses heighten and him use them to his advantage is so creepy and so fascinating. And primitive. Yes, absolutely. It is very, very primitive. Um, you said something just a moment ago about about or we were talking about how he absolves himself from, from responsibility. responsibility. And I feel like that also came out in that one scene that Hannibal had with Alana, which we'll talk about the scene itself later, but he does say to her that you have Will dressed up in what does he call it? Dressed up in moral dignity pants. Yep. <laughs> and nothing is his fault. So I'm wondering if he's having these emotions of a little bit of I don't know if jealousy is the right word. Jealousy, I think, is the perfect word. Only because, I mean, when he when he brings up the fact that Will has had three years on the outside, mm-hmm. Will is living his life, there's a woman in his life, he automatically senses and smells that there's a child in his mm-hmm. life. Like, he's moved on. And he you would know? say, I gave you a child. Like, he gave him all these opportunities. Mm-hmm. He gave him Abigail, he thinks. I mean, in his own yeah. weird, effed up sort of way. His, with his God him, complex. With his God complex. He gave him this new sense of self. And he feels like he released this beast that was always living inside of Will. Mm-hmm. Um, this darker version of Will who did commit murder and was in love with Hannibal. Mm-hmm. So I think... but. He's still on the outside suppressing all of that in his moral dignity pants. And nothing is his fault. And Hannibal, everything is his fault. Um, even though they were sort of partners in crime. So I feel like there's this definite sort of air of resentment going on. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, that's really well said. Yeah, I do. And it was this one conversation set the tone for all of that. Sure. You know, um, it, Let's see. Did we cover everything with that conversation? Well, no. I mean, I, I mean, it all—it was such a good, brilliant conversation too. And um, just to see them together again was was fascinating. And how he sort of approaches it with you came to to what did he say to look at me and get that old scent again. Mm-hmm. You know, like he knows that it's still within him, whether it's dormant or not. Mm-hmm. And um, to see him to see Hannibal start right back off with those mind games and really get in there to dig at him and deal with issues of family and murder and um, it definitely parallels to these murders that we're dealing with with the Red Dragon. So. Mm-hmm. But Will almost wasn't having it and he was like, you know, you're back to your old games again and almost walked out the door until he was like, give me the file because that is the ultimate reason that he's there because he has, you know, the Tooth Fairy who probably doesn't like being called the Tooth Fairy. Probably not. 
Um, and so he's trying to get down to the bottom of this. And this, I actually want to take a step back for just a moment mm-hmm. and talk about Jack for just a minute, because sure. in the episode before we have, you know, we have the time jump that we see in Red Dragon, the movie. Um, in Red Dragon, the movie, it's a seven-year time jump. In the television show, it's a three-year mm-hmm. time jump. But then again, we have Jack, and we have Jack that once again is up talking to Will, and he's talking to Will about the fact that he needs his services again. Now, I want to talk about you know possible maybe inconsistencies with Jack Crawford's character because I always viewed them as... Uh, as having like a close bond as Jack really kind of caring about Will's feelings. And now it's three years later, Will has built a life for himself. And once again, Jack is almost robotic in, you know, needing his services. What do you think is behind that? Oh, he, he's so unbelievably selfish to bring him back in. He's the entire reason that Will went through just this amazing descent into Hannibal and mm-hmm. became this grotesque version of himself. This was all Jack's fault. Yeah, if it, it's anyone's fault, it's all Jack's fault. It is all Jack's and fault. And once yeah. again, it will all be Jack's fault. I think the question that I am uh, posing and, you know, everybody listening, feel free to write in and give me your opinion, but is it is Jack doing it because he's selfish or is Jack doing it because he believes that Will has a gift that can save lives and he needs to help facilitate that and maybe, you know, because they're two very, I see, I see, sometimes I see Jack as really selfish, you know, at the beginning of last episode, I was like, you know what, what are you doing? Like, let him live his life. But, you know, even Will's now girlfriend is like, you know what, you can save lives and you know that you'll be killing yourself if somebody else dies because of this. So is, does Jack believe he has a duty here or is he just being selfish and just wants to solve the crime? And he knows that, you know, he doesn't care what it takes. He doesn't care if he tears Will's life apart, which it's going to. Always does. <laughs> it always. So that, that is the question that I have about Jack Crawford because he is a really complex character. Mm-hmm. And is this, you know, what, what is his ultimate motivation behind his actions? Well, in the books, in the movies, he doesn't, I mean, we've seen it in Silence of the Lambs with Clarice. We've seen it with Will, um, in, in previous seasons and now again in this season this red dragon season he doesn't care who he puts on the line as long as he solves the crime Mm -hmm. and that seems to be to me his only motivation Mm -hmm. he doesn't care who is brought down he doesn't care who suffers these mental breakdowns i mean it's it's all it's it's just complete focus Mm -hmm. the only way to solve this crime is to get will graham and the only way to get will graham to be on focus is to get him linked up with hannibal Mm -hmm. because he's never been as good as he was when he was with you yeah that's it yep but will's having nightmares again (laughs) you know he's back at it and i i have to say i love seeing will graham back at it like we saw a lot in season one as well as in season two to see him um i know we talked about it a little bit last week but i can't help it because i'm gonna gush um (laughs) I love to see him at the crime scene and becoming the the killer and this is my design and the pendulum. Um, it's just I forgot because I've been missing it for the first half of this season so much while we've been in Florence. Mm-hmm. I forgot how powerful those moments are and how grotesque and bloody um, but still engrossing mm-hmm. not just to me as a viewer but it seems to Will Graham as a profiler as well mm-hmm. so I'm just so happy to be back here <laughs> yeah it's it is a great place to be and I will tell you having recently rewatched Red Dragon the actual movie the way they communicate what is going on in Will's head is really it seems so effortless but 
I didn't get that from the movie as much as I got it from this television show with the way that they can do these quick shots and the way that they, you know, it's just, I mean, it really is, you know, Edward Norton played the Will Graham's Mm -hmm. character. And I really just feel like I feel the emotions of in the TV show. And it's just so elegantly shot. And, you know, I, I feel like I gush about this every week. But it really is, especially at the beginning, um, the beginning shots of this particular episode or or at the beginning of shots when they're first introducing Red Dragon in the last episode when they really have, you know, his back and he's doing these yoga poses and everything is so really intentionally thought out. It's just, you know, it's really captivating to watch. You know, there could be no dialogue and it could just be these shots and it would still be captivating to watch. There wasn't. Last episode, there was barely any dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Joe and I were out of here in like 40 minutes. We're like, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I guess we covered it all. <laughs> yeah, but it's so interesting. You get the script and it's like four pages, but it's like all. Yes. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Um, so let's, um, right after we, we, I, we will go back to Hannibal and then I actually want to talk about Alana Bloom a little bit. Please. Um, a lot of, a lot of boom in the bone marrow. I love how you put me on. <laughs> I love how you put me on blast last week. I watched the show. <laughs> Do it, told me. Yeah. Do it, told me, Braz. I'm never committing a crime with you. <laughs> you would have folded in a second. I would never. Yeah. <laughs> Do it, told me about the bone marrow, Braz. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you were having a conversation with Hannibal, I just want to make it clear. If you were having a conversation, you would divulge everything in a matter of minutes. Probably. Yeah. In Probably. a matter of minutes. I would get minutes. lost in those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> what? You would draw me in. <laughs> Do it told me. There's no secrets here. Do it told me. We're Hannibal. BFFs now. <laughs> um, so, Alana. Alana Bloom. Alana Bloom. I think that, I like that they're communicating a lot with her clothing. Who oh, are they ever? They really, really are. And I saw, I mean, this week at least, it's like the first thing I saw when I saw that blazer was a little bit of like, t- um, Tim, Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. It was just a little Tim Burton-esque. Little bit, sure. And it was almost like it was interesting. They talk about both sides of the coin. They talk about almost like good versus evil. Like that shirt, that jacket was black and white. For sure. And so I think that that's really interesting. I think Alana is treading in very, very, very dangerous waters. I think her cockiness is off the freaking charts. It really and is. it is going to bite her. Well, literally, it's going to bite her in the ass. She will be eaten. Something yeah. awful is going to happen to her, which I guess is my prediction. But I've been predicting that for yeah. two but, episodes now. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think, and even the, she brought it up. She brought it up. Not if not in this episode, the episode before, she brought it up where you know Hannibal talks about always keeping his promises. Mm-hmm. When she was having a conversation, yeah. she's like, "Well, you promised to kill me." And but, so he's pretty much, yeah, yeah. But her gravitas about it all, like, have mm. you learned nothing? She's in the cell with him, talking to him, talking down to him. And you do, if there's one thing that Hannibal does not tolerate, it's rudeness. Mm-hmm. And she is being rude. And she's saying, you that, know. That is, that is completely true. Well, she said it before. She goes, I have, there are five keys to the door. That, or five doors. And five, I have all the keys. Exactly. So she is definitely, she's, she's definitely, you know, but yes, I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, it's like she knows anyway. She already talked about it with Will. Like, don't get too close. And she is so close. And to, and to threaten him, don't threaten Hannibal. I don't care if he's, if he's behind bars or glass or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't threaten him. You don't threaten to take away his indig, er, to, to his it's dignities. Indi- yeah. You don't threaten to take away his drawings and his books and his toilet. You don't do that. I don't mm-hmm. care who you think you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you have a verger baby and all the money in the world. Like, seriously, girl, don't do it. 
Yeah. Well, she's going to do it. And I love those transitions as well. When she walked out of the room, they did these transitions a few times where they had Hannibal and everything around him turned black and Mm -hmm. then he faded out to transition. And I felt like that was really interesting because with his back turned towards Alana, you actually saw a little bit of, you know, I don't know if it was anger. I don't know if it was fear on his face, but it was a subtle expression that you don't see from him often. But it was scary. It was, you know. And so she's like, what are you planning? I know you're planning something. But after that conversation, I'm sure he's planning something else now. Well, let me put those plans on the back burner because now I have something else to focus on. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, she's an idiot. Yeah. Oh, she's an idiot. Her days are numbered. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You should take bets on what episode she gets killed in. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm thinking probably. But this was episode nine. This was episode nine. Thirteen. I say eleven. I say twelve. Okay. A gentleman's bet. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so that's Alana. Alana being an idiot, and but you know what? Hey, good for her. She's still with Margot. Yes. Yes. How and yeah. It's nice to see that love survives. It, <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. It is. That is. They they have a very very sweet relationship. So speaking of sweet relationships, mm-hmm. let's talk about Abigail, <laughs> <laughs> the sweetest of them all. Oh, innocence. So I. So let's. I'm curious as to why they chose this episode to show these flashbacks and what is the you know what is the meaning here behind or what were they trying to communicate? What do you think the parallels are? Well, so something that Hannibal has always talked about is his memory palace. And, um, I think she's a part of it. These mental projections that he's having, not just with these uh, scenes with Abigail and these flashbacks, but also with Will and you know in his office. I don't know if those are Will's or if those are Hannibal's when they are That's at a really the crime good... scene when they're at uh, Hannibal's office. I'm not sure, but I'll focus on Abigail for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I I think that they're Will's at the crime scenes, mm-hmm. and I think that they're Hannibal's with Abigail, obviously. But yes. I think that they're almost since. This is an episode with the both of them being reunited. I almost think that they're showing what's in both of their heads Mm -hmm. equally. Now, why is Hannibal choosing to have these flashbacks of Abigail now that Will has come around? Is it out of guilt? Is it... (sighs) No. God, no. (laughs) Um... So what I'm sort of getting from it right now is that he... We're seeing... We're seeing how his manipulations... um, how they work from the actual beginning from a total innocent um, into a killer mm-hmm. and the things that he does and the things that he does to sort of, uh, I don't know how to say it to, to teach them along the way and to subvert his power over them without them really knowing it being a teacher, because that's what he loves. He loves to teach. He loves to rear up mm-hmm. these people. He's reared up Chio. He's reared up, uh, um, Belinda, uh, Will, mm-hmm. Abigail, you know, it's like his little pets, his little students, mm-hmm. his little army that he's like amassing. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know about the timing so much, but I thought that there were some awesome revelations, like that she was complicit in that, in the finale of season two. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that she was sort of shown to us is that she was shivering in, in an upstairs bedroom, like she had been under some sort of duress and, and she was mentally incapacitated, but to see that she was really in it and mm-hmm. fascinated by all of and it. Manipulated and manipulated. Yes. Manipulated into it. Yes. and But she liked it. Mm-hmm. She was not just complicit, she was excited. Can I push the button? 
Really? Yeah. Can I push the button for my own blood splatter? Like, it was amazing. Yeah. I don't know. What were your thoughts? It, well, I mean, I, I, I was just curious as to why they were kind of bringing it up all now. And I actually thought for a moment that she wasn't, I was like, wait a minute, was she not dead? Did she like, did they, did they completely go a different way? And she's, you know, like there's something going on and it was just, you know, it was just a thought or a memory and they, you know, so I didn't, I honestly didn't know. I just kind of watched it with awe and I was like, I need to talk to Julia about this. (laughs) (laughs) We need to talk this out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he also, Hannibal also makes a lot of references. This whole second half of the season makes a lot of references to family mm-hmm. exactly and yeah. he was creating a family you know he was he was rearing up abigail for he and will to enjoy as a family together mm-hmm. he obviously refers to will as family will has his own family now with molly and and the little one and the kid <laughs> um, and they're they're hordes of dogs mm-hmm. um which, what will happen to that family? I will save that for predictions, but that was the first thing that popped into my head. It was, you know, anyway. <laughs> we all know that Brian Fuller loves to go off canon. So who knows? I know what happens in the book and what happens in the movie, but I don't know what's going to happen in the TV show. I think it might be different. I think so, too. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Anyway, so I think just the familial overtones, undertones, I mean, they were pretty overt. Um, I think that's a big reason why Abigail came back in flashbacks in this episode. I just worked that out. Excellent. Slowly but surely, as you all had just had to sit through with me. <laughs> Sorry. No, this is why I love doing the show, because this is the kind of show that you do really want to talk about after you watch. Yeah. Because you need to digest it, so to speak. Um, so, should we get right into the Red Dragon and Francis Dollarhide? Because yeah, I think, I think we ought to. Because they and Francis is played by whom? Ah, uh, he is pla- played by Richard Armitage. I think that they did an amazing job casting. Mm-hmm. I think that they did a really, really great job casting, um, especially with the you know there are so many when people that have seen the movie and they watch the movie, you have that preconceived notion about what these characters are. You know, Ed Norton plays Will Graham, um, Harvey Keitel plays Jack Crawford, um, and uh, they have. Uh, oh my goodness, I can't think of his name right now, but the, um, help me out there, internet world, the person that plays, um, Freddie Laus, the tattler, who... Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, thank you. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is actually played by a woman, and I thought that that was an excellent choice. Well, Freddie Lowndes has made, she's been such an amazing character throughout this entire television Hannibal world. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, you know, She's just, she's always pops up in the wrong places or in the right places at the wrong time. She gives mm-hmm. everyone a hard time, but she's always correct. Mm-hmm. And she is correct that all psychopaths are narcissists and they want to read about themselves. And she is right on the money there. Yep. Um, I do like how it's impossible for me to predict what's going to happen to her um, because of what happens to her in the book already happened to her. Well, in quotations, happened to her um, mm-hmm. uh, in season one, maybe season two. I can't really remember where her fake death was. He, they had a corpse and set her on fire and pushed her down a ramp, mm-hmm. which is what happens to her in the book mm-hmm. um, or him in the book. So um, I'm so excited to see what happens to her character. And I just love her. I love Freddie Lowndes. Yeah. She's so manipulative and I love a ginger. Yeah, and she, <laughs> and I like that she, as, as Hannibal's walking away, she's like, use me. And they will eventually end up using her because she's right, that she is absolutely right. Um, they, uh, they introduced, um, Miss McLean. 
Reba McLean, played by Rutina Wesley, Rutina Wesley from Famed of True Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always loved the relationship between Francis and Reba because it was just one that was so honest. It was a very, very, you know, honest, like she, she could see sides of him that, you know, nobody else saw because she actually couldn't see him visually. And so his, you know, expressions and complete that, you know, of almost disgust, like when they're having, you know, eating pie at the dinner table, mm-hmm. like he was totally honest with his expressions, which would probably drive somebody else away. But since she couldn't physically see him, she, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't know. And all she could, you know, I just, I just think that that was a, that's a great, you know, I was, that's a great, almost, you know, beginning of a relationship because it is honest. And I, you know, how it ends in the, the movie, I hope is not how it ends because I did really, I was a little bit disappointed about how it ended in the movie. But, um, I love this relationship too. Um, I loved it the first time I read about it, loved it when I saw it on screen. Um, it's just an, it's such an interesting dynamic to have someone who his whole life has been so ashamed of his appearance, mm-hmm. so, so hidden away, so much so that he feels compelled to become a whole other creature in this red dragon, which we see him becoming because we did see the tail today, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, to find a peaceful relationship where I think we will eventually see him let down his guard and let her in because he's never let anyone in. He's always been told that he is, he's nothing. And, you know, we saw a glimpse of that with at the dinner party with all the old people in all the land mm-hmm. <laughs> at one dinner with his grandmother. I believe she's his grandmother, just sort of glaring at him and hating him. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that sort of carte blanche with a with a new person who knows nothing about you will never see your deformities will never see your tattoos will never see what you're becoming um we'll see i think this sort of like this this dichotomy this split of him wanting to be a real human because of her because Mm -hmm. of that freedom and him still because he's already in the process of becoming the red dragon like he's in so deep Mm -hmm. so i I cannot wait to see where that goes yeah and what and where that conflict will be Mm -hmm. and it is interesting when you be when you build up this alter ego that is so you know that ends up controlling your life you know and then all of a sudden you find somebody that loves you for you and only you and it's like now you are at war with yourself and someone who's honest, because mm-hmm. you know, I imagine no one's ever been honest with him. You know what I mean? When you, when you're struggling, or he doesn't think anyone's being honest with him, but he believes her because she can't see him. She doesn't know. Well, I think that the fact that it is, I think the the fact that she is blind almost allows him to let her in because she is not perfect, and she, you know, has all of, has all of these, you know, has all these quote unquote issues as well. But but now she for her to just not judge him like it is it is such it, there's so many layers mm-hmm. to this to this relationship and it really is sweet and i just find it interesting that at the time that he is creating this alter ego of the red dragon and becoming the red dragon that that allows him to really let somebody in at that same time you know it's just it's just an interesting well it sort of shows a complete split of personality there's the red dragon side and then there's the francis dollarhide side side and you see 
what we thought was them merging and becoming one and the red dragon coming over taking over completely mm-hmm. but now something's pulling him the human side away a little bit and that's this new relationship who is on sort of an even playing field she mm-hmm. has her deformity if he if you will which is her or her handicap which is her blindness he has his handicap his deformity which is his cleft palate and his speech mm-hmm. um so to feel equal is something i don't think he's ever felt before mm-hmm. so that's sort of drawing him away from the dragon so yeah. that will be his inner struggle yeah and it's so inspiring for him as well to see somebody with such a handicap completely make it on her own. She's like, oh, yeah. I take I take the bus all the time, take three steps, I'm cutting my own pie, I do this, like, I'm living a completely, you know, normal, self-sufficient life, mm-hmm. and yes, I have this deformity, yet I don't feel like crap about myself, I, I, you know, I, and so to see that is just like, wait a minute, she... She, you know, she can live with a handicap and not, and not, you know, feel awful or be, or be cast aside mm-hmm. as well. It was just, I, I think eye opening for him, sure. you know, maybe he can be that, maybe he can be that too. Maybe there's hope for him yet. Not really. Yeah. Do we have any shout outs? Oh, my computer is, I think. Did dead. I, did I just catch you, you off guard? You certainly did. <laughs> Talk about something else and I'll pull it up for you. Oh goodness! Well, I'm excited. I'm really, I'm really sad that there are only um, seven episodes. Four. No, it's only thirteen episodes. Oh my! So there are four episodes left. So I have Abigail dying in episode eleven. You have Abigail I dying in episode 12. twelve. No, we'll do shoutouts later. If Sorry. anybody wants to I, talk it's about not happening right now, what? What episode you think Abigail is going to be? Yeah, die. tweet us or uh, um, Doctor Bloom. I'm so sorry. Um, um, yes, tweet us, let us know. Absolutely. I want to know all about it because her days are numbered. Yes. Hey, what do you think about Will's wife? Um, I think that she's sweet. I think that she took, I mean, I think, I, I, I think that she's a sweetheart. I think that she, you know, um, I think that she completely took a different, um, viewpoint than the, than his wife in the movie. Um, and I like the fact that she's encouraging him and she's kind of like pushing him to, to do this, um, as opposed to being fearful for her family and her son. I think that she's sweet. I think that she was well cast. Why? What do you think of her? Um, I, I don't have any strong feelings. I was just wondering. Um, I think that she's, she's sweet. Yes. I like their relationship. Um, that scene, it was so refreshing that scene with them on the phone and then it sort of transformed and them lying in bed together. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, it was nice to see Will be a real human being for once. It's unfortunate that he doesn't belong in that world. Yeah. I don't believe, even though he's in the, in the happy family world, happy family world, out in the mountains. It's, it's not where he lives. It's not where he belongs. And he's trying so hard and it feels so nice, but it's, I, I really truly believe it's against his nature. Well, and I think that that's what Jack believes as well. And that's why he's like, look, you, you know, you've played house long enough. Let's go. We've got some, we've got work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the final right before we're going to wrap it up here shortly, but right before the episode ends, it is Jack and Hannibal have the exchange. Yes. As well. What did they talk about? I, uh, that we're all in the stew together. That's that, <laughs> that was the line. <laughs> that was the line I wanted to write down. Yes. I didn't write it down, but I'll never forget it. And he, he almost, um, just kind of, you know, talked about the fact that he almost blaming Will or almost blaming Jack for getting getting Will involved, you know. Oh, and it was also revealed that he's the one, he was the source that talked to Freddy when he says it takes one to catch one. Was that revealed? 
Well, that's what I took from it. So Freddie says when she's talking to Will, it takes one to catch one, says some informant. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, Jack is talking to Hannibal and he says it takes one to catch one. And then Hannibal says it takes two. Interesting. But so was he I talking about he's... but was he talking about Will or was it talking about Hannibal? Well, I don't know. You know, you know that's and... why Hannibal says actually it takes two. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knew both of us. Because yeah. we work together. It's yeah. like a buddy cop movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, and that's another, that's another <laughs> just manipulation. Had, just had this vision of like a poster with like <laughs> Hannibal, <laughs> yeah, Hannibal and Will in like a buddy cop yeah. film in like the 80s. Oh, I see bell bottoms. <laughs> I see a lot of bell bottoms and some like shag haircuts. Oh my. That was... Um, which is, that's just another example of Jack's manipulation mm-hmm. of everyone around him and not giving two F's about who he has to step on to get to solve the murder. Yeah. Well, by you saying that, I think that I know what side of the coin on the Jack coin you, you sit on. Um, I would, do uh, you? I, I think I do. do you know, I think do I? I do. I think I do. I think that, yeah. I mean, I think I'm on team Jack. I think that he thinks that this is for the greater good, but I'm not, I'm not certain. I think that you just think, yeah, I think he does everything for the greater good and his greater good is solving the murder. His greater good is not preserving relationships and mental stability. Yeah. No. Of his colleagues. No, but it's, but it's saving lives. It's saving lives. Yeah. I would, I guess. um, yeah, let's get into some predictions. What do you think? Now, is it too soon? <laughs> I've already said Alana's gonna die, and I kind of want it to happen because I'm annoyed with her. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like her. Yeah, anymore. I think that I saw that bone marrow. I think that that's a great point. I think that they are gonna bring her character up to a point, almost like Mason Verger, where you were like, just kill him already. Yeah. You know, so they will get like she's getting increasingly, increasingly easier to see die, and I think that that's kind of the direction that they're going. Now I don't know what her death will mean in the world of. In the Verger world, I mean, that was an interesting plot point they threw in there that she has a baby with Margot, a Verger baby, a son. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, they didn't have to do that. So I'm wondering how that plays in. They're laying some groundwork. Maybe somehow, somewhere. I don't know where or how or why, but. But you always have to listen to every single I line. I try to, and I take them all to heart. Yeah. I think everything's a clue in Hannibal. Yeah, you're like, what does that mean? She's like, I never presume anyone is dead until I... The only person I know is dead is Abigail because I saw the autopsy. Yeah. I saw it and her face put together at the same time. So I am certain that she is dead. All right. Yes. Watch, she's alive and I'm like eating crow. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have too much of a prediction. I don't know. Alana's going to cut it. My my prediction is that I um I definitely think that Molly and the boy <laughs> um Molly and the boy are going to die. Going to die. Yeah, I think that they're going to die. I know that, you know, in both. Yes. I think that they're both going to die. Um yeah. I mean, I actually it's really funny. I didn't I I just always thought of them together as a as a team, but I do think that it will be, you know, Francis Dollarhide will kill them both. 
Um, and I think that he will be successful in doing that because then he almost, it almost releases Will to be able to do what he did. You know, the Will in the Hannibal, the movie, you know, needed the family <clears throat> is willing to change. That's not this Will. No. You know, this is a permanently damaged Will that, you know, gets that secluded cabin up in the woods. And so I do think, yeah, I think that it feeds to this storyline better to have them die. What about all the dogs? <clears throat> He can have the dogs. Okay. He can get, you know what though? The dogs die. The, all of the dogs. That's an interesting point. The dogs. Because the dogs and the cat are really huge pieces of the murders in mm-hmm. Red Dragon. And I think that the fact that Will has all the dogs, I'm so glad you brought that up, means a lot. That's really interesting. You want to change your prediction now, Dua? No, I think that, okay, that well, I don't, I, no, I think that the dogs will live. Okay. I can't stand it when dogs die, so. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm like the Scott Thompson character. Yeah. Um, and I also do think, and this is going to be like a, you know, a, a big, pro- oh, I, I honestly don't think since they didn't, you know, renew for the season, I don't know if they are going to leave this open ended, but I, um, I would think that they would end everything with Miss McLean a little bit differently than they did in the movie. Maybe. And in the book. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away for people that haven't yeah, seen the movie. it's hard to do predictions because I don't want to give anything away. It is, but I will tell you, if you haven't seen the movie, see the movie because it is the television show takes the best parts of the movie, and it's really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. Any more predictions? Nope. <laughs> all right. No, I do not. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm letting it soak all in. Hopefully yeah. next week we'll have Braswell back. I will be here. Where can I'll we find? I'll be here, too. Yay. Oh, okay. It'll be a party. <laughs> Will Flippo ever come back? I don't know. Probably right. not. All right. <laughs> All right. He has a baby now. Yeah. Where, where can we find you? Uh, my friends, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram with my name, Julia Carely, J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. My name is Dua Casey, and you can find me on the Twitters at Dua Casey, D-U-A-K-A-I-S-S-I. And you can find our man Joe Braswell on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, whatever that is, because I'm not tech-minded. It's like the Twitter that's like a live feed, right? Okay. Isn't it? I don't know. Uh, Anyways, find him at Joe K. Braswell. All of those. Joe K. Braswell. Joe K. Braswell. Yep. All right. That's it. Thank you for joining us, and see you next week. I love this show. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 